0: all right all right well hello and welcome everyone to our webinar today which is all about what we can do in relation to best practice when it comes to fundraising outreach and communications during COVID-19. I mean one of the things I've noticed recently in relation to this pandemic is just how quickly the landscape is shifting so you know back in March we were really deep in lockdown in late March and we were advised that one of the best things we could do was to reach out to older members of our community that were likely feeling quite isolated, quite lonely, just to see how they were going, how they were coping. Because what they will remember when this is over is yes, how the school handled the pandemic, but also who reached out to me just to see if I was okay, for no other reason to see if I was okay. And I know myself, I've been making a number of those calls They have been overwhelmingly positively received and um, I'm starting to build relationships with people I would never have had a chance to speak to otherwise. So that has been one absolutely fantastic thing that we've been doing here. But um, now that the restrictions are starting to be lifted, uh, we probably need to rethink again as to what we're doing because once again, the goalposts are starting to change. And so on that note, I think we are incredibly fortunate today to have the discussion led by Anne Badger. Anne is undoubtedly a recognized leader in advancement in Australia. She has over 20 years of experience herself as a development professional in both tertiary institutions and in schools. Um, Anne is also a past president of the Vic-Taz chapter of Educate Plus. I know we've got a lot of our Vic-Taz colleagues online with us today and she's past president of Educate Plus Australasia. And in addition to all of that, um, in 2000, Anne was awarded our peak award, which is called the Trevor Wigney Award. So today, Anne is a senior consultant and principal with Marts and Lundy. But before we hand over to Anne, I think Sheila would like to give us all a few notes on housekeeping so that we can get the best out of the webinar today. So, over to you, Sheila.
1: Thank you, Jackie. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Sheila Malloy, the uh, Marketing and Education Manager in Educate Plus. Um, I've seen quite a few of you before. Uh, For those of you that haven't been in any of our meetings and webinars before, um, this is one where you can interact, unmute yourself, share your video. I would ask that you please put yourself on mute unless you're directly speaking um, because you can take over the whole um, audio uh, in the meeting, so please make sure that you're muted. Um, We still have people joining us, so um, we can, I I reckon we can just kick off whenever you're ready, Jackie.
0: All right, so over to you,
2: Anne. Well, thanks, Jackie, and thanks, Sheila. And it's great to see so many faces popping up from around Australia and New Zealand. Soon we'll be able to be in real contact with each other. It's awesome, isn't it? Um, As Jackie said, we're beginning to emerge from the lockdown period. We're carefully evaluating where we're at. We're thinking about the way forward, and we're recognising that we've got a changed operating environment. It's not business as usual. Today we're going to share a few key themes with you. We're going to draw on practitioners around the country and how they've implemented those principles and what's happened in their institution. And for better or worse, there's no PowerPoint. It's only people. Uh, The themes that we're going to talk about today, these four themes we're going to talk about, are not just um, sound advancement practice. They've been developed from research and that research was conducted during the GFC So for example, Martin Lundy surveyed 400 schools and universities about how they were impacted by the GFC, what they did during the GFC as advancement activity, how long it took to recover, what their recovery looked like. And so there are a lot of learnings out there as other institutions did the same sort of thing. So we've adapted those learnings and we've applied them because there are many similarities and some differences from that GFC period. So this is based on research. Um, One of the things that we hope uh, will come out of this is some Australian and New Zealand based research. And we'll talk a bit more about that towards the end, I think, Jackie, about what we hope to do um, in our own operating sphere. So our four key themes today, and Jackie's touched Uh, movingly on the very first one, which is careful and planned communications. And I think if there's been one consistent mantra, it's been stay in touch with your community, all of your community, not just parents, which I think was an initial reaction by many institutions, but to reach out, And that has been and continues to be vital. And indeed, it's probably even more vital at this point in time where it's easy to drop the ball and forget about people. That communication has taken many forms, you know, EDMs, emails, videos, mailings, care and connect calls, postcards, print material. I've seen some amazing things happening around the country, and we'll talk, uh, get a few practitioners to talk about what they've done. Why were we doing that? Because we wanted to listen listen, two ears, listen and stay in touch with our community. We really wanted to show that we care and we're not just fair weather friends who only come out when the timing looks good to ask for money. We were really aiming for values-aligned communications, that is, communications that weren't any institution. And if you're like me, you probably had emails from every shop you've ever entered in the whole world and every institution And they could be anyone. So we've really tried for values-aligned communications that reflect your particular institution. In our communications, we're really trying to show the human element. The emphasis is on our staff, our students and members of our community and not on the institution. So we've kept very much a human focus on what we're doing. And we've worked hard to build, engage with people, connect and build some connectivity and relationships. The second theme that we're going to hear from practitioners today is really a subset of that. It's about tailored and sensitive donor communications. Our donors are investors and they want to know how we're going, what the challenges are, how the students and staff are doing. This is true about the lockdown learning, and it was true in that time, but it's also very true now. As people, schools move back, borders, some schools have got borders, some haven't. How are staff coping? How are students coping? How are the fees situation? How's drop-off working? There's all sorts of things happening. Stewarding our donors to excite them, involve them, inform them, engage them, and importantly, to retain them is even more important than ever. You probably wisely hit pause on your campaign. You're almost certainly using funds to support students and families. You may be investing in technology. Share with your donors how their past generosity is helping that to happen, what impact it's having on your community, and be open, but not pushy, about how they could help now if they are able to. I was reflecting and thinking, I give to many of my schools and colleges with whom I work. But I'm not a alum or a past parent of many. But I think I'm a forgotten community, a forgotten constituent in some of those communities. Think about some of your donors. Have you been in touch with all of them? Have you stayed connected with them? Our third theme is around engagement. And the various tools that you can use, online tools and other tools you can do to move from just connecting with people to actually engaging with them. We're also very conscious that large gatherings are not going to happen for a while and that many of our older alumni may not be rushing back to larger gatherings for quite a period of time as they're sensitive to the transmission. So, what are we doing to engage and connect with people? online seminars, panels, quiz nights, virtual morning teas, future parent briefings. Just as Educate Plus has so cleverly turned to webinars and connected with us during this period, what is your school doing beyond information to actually engage and connect with people? And our fourth theme this morning is about engaging with your community and then seeking their support. There seems to be some mistaken belief that everyone is equally impacted and that no one wants to give. Generally, as you will see and hear from some of your fellow practitioners, your community wants to support you. And think about this, what is your message if you don't ask? What are you saying? Education has been a key theme throughout this. It's been a central theme of newspapers, of our Prime Minister, of each state, schools and universities. So it's forefront in many people's minds. So are you saying that your institution is not worthy of support? Are you saying that your institution doesn't need support? Are you saying that you don't care? Are you saying you don't support your students and families? Of course you're not. So think about the message you're sending if you're not gently seeking support. And what we're seeing is new donors, people who have never given before stepping up and being grateful, actually saying, thank you for the opportunity to do something. Bequesters are confirming their bequest intentions or even bringing their gift forward. We're also seeing a trend where people are supporting more things locally and reflecting on their values and their life. And hopefully education, particularly if you're connecting with them, engaging with them, is forefront in their minds. So this doesn't mean a glossy mail out or high end production things or business as usual. It probably means saying, we're not asking you as we normally do. This year, we're asking you to support our students and our families. But it does say that you should be in a quiet, respectful, sensitive way, reaching out to your community and seeking their support directly or indirectly. Talking about why your school exists and what a difference your community could make for it. And positioning it as an invitation, not a demand or a request, but as an invitation and an opportunity to support your community. So, four quick key themes that we're going to explore a little bit this morning. Let's hear from some of our amazing colleagues around the country and what they've been doing in those particular themes. And to begin with, we're going to go to Sydney, to Martin Howard-Taylor at St Aloysius College. Uh, Martin, you're the alumni manager there. Would you like to tell us about your calls that you've been doing?
3: Yeah, sure, thanks Anne. Thank you and hello everybody. Um, Look, we're not reinventing the wheel at at all here at Aloysius Um, and and Jackie touched on it before. Um, Care and Connect calls are just so important right now. we're reaching out to members, um, old boys that are from the 1940s, 50s and 60s. And just having a conversation, just a genuine call to them, no fundraising, nothing at all to just check in on them, see how they are at the time. And just to remind them that as old boys at the college, um, that the college is there to support them through all the times, good and bad, and that we're there for them just a phone call away. It has been received very, very well. Um, And even though COVID-19 was the reason why these calls started, I think even now, um, moving out of it as restrictions are lifted, they're as important because it is one thing to call people and ask how they are when times are bad, but to ask when times are getting better or when there's nothing too much going on, I think that resonates a little bit more. Um, so, it's been really enjoyable calling um, some of these old boys. Um, the older old boys from the 1940s, um, I've committed to, and there's about 40 of them, I've committed to calling them uh, once a month to check in, again, not fundraising, just to continue that communication. Um, there's still a lot of anxiety out there um, with COVID-19. A lot of them are isolated, um, not very, um, they're not digital natives at all. So. Being able to just call, connect um, and, and chat with them. It works out to be about eight calls a day for a week. That's just four in the morning, four in the afternoon. So it's it's nice and easy. Um, it's a good pick-me-up. pick, pick me up. Um, It's lovely talking to some of these old boys as well. And look, if fundraising outcomes come from it, then that's just an added bonus, but it's it's not the reason why, why we're calling it. So I would really suggest. Um, I know many of you would be doing this already, but I really would suggest to continue this moving forward. It's just it's a great thing, um, and it also eases a bit of anxiety for them to know that the schools are getting back to normal, the colleges are getting back to normal, that things are turning for the good for them, and that gives them a little bit more confidence if they are feeling a bit anxious. So. Again, not reinventing the wheel at all, but you can't understate how important just picking up a phone and and talking to somebody is. And we've received great feedback from them, and it's been been great.
2: Thanks, Martin. And I think you're relatively new to the role, so it's probably been a great way for you to meet people as well.
3: Very much so. It's it's great to get my name out to the community. Um, We had a person in the director here that was here for 22 years so it's tough to get a new name out there sometimes so it's just been nice to connect to the uh to the new network to the community like this
2: thank you Thanks, um, thank you and mary mary cook is at king copple rose bay mary you've been in your role a while and you've been using this opportunity to reach out to your um community would you tell us a little bit about that yeah.
4: Thanks, Anne. Yes, similar to to Martin, we've been connecting um, via email or phone with the different segments of our alumni and with past parents, um, basically asking them again how they are um, offering support. Um, We've also divided our alumni into year groups. Uh, The response to phone calls, as Martin mentioned, say for groups from 1938 um, back to the 1950s has been really positive. One thing a number have asked for is contact details of their friend. You know, how's how's Joan going? So often and we've actually then contacted Joan and said, Joan, would you like, would you mind if I gave you Molly's number? So we've done a lot of that. That's actually been quite a lot. That's been um, a real feature of this actually, people who've lost touch and wanted to make connections. Because as you realise, some of those year groups back at those times were quite small. So that's been, that's been really positive. Um, the other thing we've been doing is groups who left school, say from 1955 back to, 19, to 2019 and our past parents, we've connected them with them by email every month and we've offered them support. And we've made suggestions as to how they might come together in an online platform. We've had a number ask for help with that and offering people emails. And one of the very special ones was a group of the late 1940s, who actually came together for, they said they wanted to chat for half an hour. They ended up talking for over an hour and, quarter, hour and a quarter, and they've all responded to me and said how great it was and how they'd like to do it again. Because, as Martin said, some people are still quite afraid of going out and, and having and sort of meeting face to face. So, this was a wonderful opportunity. Uh, our message constantly has been that we're thinking about you and we want to share what we are doing at King Cobble Rose Bay. And I think one of the really strong features of this is their, their real interest as to what we, how we are handling this COVID-19 situation as a school and giving them the steps of how it's gradually changing. Um, one of the really interesting aspects of that was a number of our boarding people who say left here in the 60s and 70s they are really identifying with the boarding school life here at present because as you would probably realise Borders here aren't allowed out on the weekend, and that would not have been exactly the same for those boarders who left in the 60s and 70s. So it's actually bringing back a lot of their own memories and history as to what it was like for them when they were here at school. We've also offered younger alumni. Um, we've written to them, and we've included our careers advisor, and with them, say, alumni who left two, school two or three years ago, we've asked them if they need some support from the careers advisor. And they've um, actually responded to that, particularly those who say went overseas to do a gap year this year, had to come back, were thinking they were going to university next year, now I really want to get in this year. And our careers advisor has been absolutely fantastic, really helping them getting through the universities. So again, I think that's a really important way that we've we've tried to connect. Um, I think what this has taught me, and I've done this job for a long time, and I think it's actually been a real wake up call to me, in this industry of how important, we will continue to do this. Basically what Martin was saying, we won't stop this when things go back to normal, because I think that it just has shown me the whole importance of actually spending time doing the calls and also doing these emails. And we have a number of families who live in the country, so they've also appreciated these contacts. So that's basically, and I'm happy to share any emails or anything with anyone if, if they would like to see them.
2: Thanks, Mary. And I think that all of our practitioners today have offered to share material later on, more specifically, if people would like follow-up, which is very generous of them. I love the idea of, Mary, your, your, your I think, the group of alumni from the 40s, were they doing a Zoom call for an hour and a quarter yeah. and catching up with each other? Um, it's fantastic. And I think Scott's going to talk a bit more about some of that in a little while. Uh, don't assume that older people won't use the technology, but don't assume that they will, I think. An hour and a quarter of those women talking must have been great fun. Um, A number of people have also concentrated quite specifically on some donor communications. And Marina Johnson at Lauriston Girls School in Melbourne. I know, Marina, you've been doing some specific work in this space with some good outcomes as well. Would you like to share some of that with us?
5: Yeah, thanks, Anne. Um, yeah, well, we're actually at Lauriston. We we're um, at a tricky stage when um, the pandemic commenced. We had almost finished stage one and we we're about to start stage two um, of our building project. Um, so we we're out there actively campaigning when all this was going on. Um, and then the school council decided that they would pause the next stage of the um, of the building project. So we had some really um, specific needs around keeping our existing donors engaged um, and committed to the project, um, as well as keeping the project um, front and centre for our current parents and our prospects. So that when we do go back to the building project, um, they are actually aware of what's going on and are engaged as well. And we also had to demonstrate the fact that we were aware of what was happening in the community and understanding of the um, impact that it was having on our our donors. So what we did was um, we actually focused on uh, communicating clearly with our donors. We increased our communication to all stakeholders um, to help build that sense of connection and um, continuity. And we pivoted away from um, our capital campaign Um, towards um, an annual appeal around student bursaries. Um, One thing that I found was really valuable was I actually called all our our top 40 donors before a communication went out to um, the remaining donors and our broader community. Um, I wanted to talk to every one of them and to explain why the decision had been made and the fact that it had only been paused, that it would recommence when the um, situation was um, more stable. Um, And then we emailed all our other donors and our parent community and our broader community as well. Um, um, And I think the best thing that I did was actually calling all those donors first of all. I actually received so much um, positive feedback in terms of they understood why we had um, made that decision and they thought it was a wise decision. Um, we only had uh, negative feedback from two of those donors. I, I made over 40 calls. Um, it was interesting, even though I wasn't talking about fundraising, I actually did attract some additional gifts for the campaign, which was um, a really wonderful Thing to um, have happened and a real surprise. Um, but, yes, yeah, so that was in response to the phone calls. And then uh, with the uh, emails that went out, as Anne mentioned, we talked, we talked primarily about the students and the student learning and their welfare and how they were coping. Um, we also talked about, uh, we shared examples of our community actually helping others we've had a really our community service coordinator has been running um, a program all-term where we've been supporting community organizations by providing bags of food and essential items. So that was great to be able to show that the community was ready to help do other things and a good news story. And then I regularly included updates on um, progress on the building project um, at the final touches. So we'd had... um, the grass was relayed on our playing field. And so the angle was the grass is back. It looks great. All we need now is girls to play on it. Um, um, And uh, I'm about to do one next week about the new early learning village, which um, um, our childcare are moving into it as we speak. But um, one thing I've continued those phone calls to um, not only to our donors, but also to our past donors and um, our current families, and the feedback that I'm getting is there's a real sense of community and connectedness. So um, yeah, it's worked um, really well. Um, yeah, I think that's about it from our perspective, but I, I've been really, really pleased, and I think that we'll be well placed um, early next term when I go back out and start talking to uh, to major donors. So.
2: Thanks, Marina, that's fantastic. And John at Brighton Grammar. John, you've been actively fundraising over a number of years. What have you done this year and how how has it gone?
6: Thank you, Anne, and and good morning to everyone. I'm happy to share um, a few little um, anecdotes with you and what we've been doing here at Brighton Grammar School. Um, Particularly focusing around our annual appeal. We've, We've done well on our annual appeals over the last three or four years, but this year we've decided not to hold an annual appeal. Um, we've decided to hold a special appeal instead and I'll just run you through what we've we've planned there because I know a few people here have approached me separately about our segmentation. So the process started yesterday, we had an email that went out to all our donors in the past, um, basically just touching base, um, alerting them to the good news stories that we have in our impacted given report and also asking for their support in terms of filling in a really simple survey which focused around um, how important is it um, if you receive a tax deduction for your gift, um, what did you think of our impacted giving report, how can you help us with events, little simple questions like that. And then that will help inform our direction for the special appeal, which we'll launch mid-July, because it's not tax deductible. We decided to go in July because of a few other things going on at Brighton Grammar at the moment. So um, we have um, 10 different segments. And um, through the power of pivot tables, which I know nothing about, but um, people I work with do, um, we're able to make sure that these are done in a hierarchical order and that we don't send them out to more than uh, one group at a time. So we've got 10 different emails ready to go. Um, So at the top of our hierarchy, we're communicating with our council members who are all current donors as it is, um, asking for them to support um, um, an appeal for the request um, request fund, uh, sorry, the bursary fund. Um, under that, we've got the chairman Circle, they're our major donors. We have 52 people in our community who have given more than $50,000 each in recent years. Um, then we go to current parents, donors and non-donors. Then we go to current staff. Then we go to old boys, donors and non-donors. Then we go to quarter companions. That's our group of um, staff who have been, um, who are employed here for 15 years or more, who are really engaged with us. Then we go to our Sequoia Society. Um, and the and we go to Society, John, the Bequest uh, our, Society. Thank you, pardon yeah. Society, which is our Bequest Society. Mm-hmm. And then we go to our past parents who have donated in the past three years. And then, of course, we have to consider those that don't have email addresses. So we have about 30 of those um, and we'll be doing a little paper email, a paper uh, mail to them. Um, so that's, that's pretty much what we've planned. Um, it's taken a lot of time to get the comms right and the segmentation right. But we're we convinced, and we can show this from previous years. The more tailored you can tailor communications, the more effective it'll be for your school. And again, I'm happy to share um, any of our um, any of our work in that area. We've got a we've got a sort of
2: thanks, John. One size fits one. It's a great approach to segment and not just do a blanket approach. Um, this the survey is a brilliant idea, and it reminds me of one of my mantras in life, which is: if you want money, ask for advice, because people respond, they love to give you some advice and feedback. And I think it's just a terrific approach and we'll look forward to seeing what happens in July. Another important point there is that don't be driven by the 30th of June with this non-tax deductible asking, you can pivot and do things differently this year. So that flexibility is important. Um, We're all conscious of connecting with people and engaging with them. And we're seeing some terrific things around the country in terms of using the online technology to actually engage with our communities. Marilyn, I think at St Catherine's, you've been doing some rather interesting things, both with your current families and your future families.
7: Yes, that's right. Um, one of our parents is a professional quiz master and uh, he uh, has, was very generous. You know, he just lost a hundred percent of his business. Um, and I was chatting with him about that and he, um, he and then he 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 offered to run a five week um, quiz uh, uh, event for us, and uh, which for which we were most grateful. Uh, and we we di- we did it on Thursday night. We called it some cats Thursday night trivia. And he would give us uh, twenty questions divided into two games. Um, and then we sent those out at uh, six o'clock uh, on a Thursday night, uh, segmented to our current parent community. Um, our alumni through the Old Girls Online network and to our future parents, and then um, uh, an hour later we sent the answers, and the feedback was just absolutely amazing. And we people sent in pictures of of them parking it and holding their trivia night on Saturday night over friends. Some did trivia with their grandparents, you know, interstate. Um, it was a really it was just it just was far more popular than we even imagined it would be. Um, but we decided to limit it just to um, in, initially just to four weeks, and then he sent he had he sent us a, a, an additional fifth week, and so we waited two weeks, and then we sent it out again, and everybody came back and said, "Oh, thank you, thank you." So it was a really unexpectedly uh, delightful way to engage with um, those three segments, um, and as our enrollment office was dealing with the futures. Um, and our alumni office with the alumni, obviously, and I was dealing with the current parents. So that was a really successful thing mm-hmm. to do, and I think really helped keep people connected with the school. Um, I, I so that that. Uh, but we decided not to go to keep going. We decided just to make it short and sharp like that, and I think that was the right thing to do. Um, of all the people that we emailed. In our entire community, we only had one parent who came and said, "Why are you sending me this? I don't want to. I don't want to have this." Um, which I thought was really good that that there was only one person who actually came back um, irritated by it. So uh, that was one thing. The other thing we did was we were right uh, in um, our with our open morning, and uh, mm-hmm. so we decided to do a virtual open morning. Um, and we did that in May, and so we we um, we had a, a presentation by the head, uh, the head of the junior school, um, the school captain. Uh, and you know, one of the things about this year is that uh, the Year Twelve school leaders have really suffered this year because they've lost so many opportunities to be involved in their normal leadership roles in school assemblies and all of the activities that they were doing. And we noticed our prefects feeling. Just a little bit sad about that. Um, so we, um, Anyway, we, we invited our head girl and she was thrilled to come, so she participated in that. Um, and then we opened uh, at the end of the presentation, which included you know, a few videos, uh, then we had a live Q&A. Um, um, we're now moving towards, and we had great feedback um, about this um, event. Um, and But interestingly, what came back from the feedback was that they wished that there had been more Q&A. And so um, we have decided with our second uh, open morning, which is scheduled for uh, week two of term three, uh, we've made the decision that it will be virtual because we who knows, we may be able to have people on site, we may not, we've just decided to go with virtual. Um, and we've decided this time to actually have a Q and A session, a bit like the program insight. I don't know if any of you have seen that on um, in, uh, SBS. So we've got a range of staff uh, ready, um, and we will. We are seeking questions in advance from um, from our prospective families, and are um, and so we'll match the. Uh, we'll develop the questions in advance. So we'll we'll pre-record it so that it puts the staff under less pressure. Um, so, we'll send out the, the first virtual tour, which was a, a traditional, you know, open morning and then we'll, uh, so people can have a look at that. And then our July one will actually be a Q, in Q&A format um, and we'll introduce those families to, you know, the, the key staff around the school. So, that'll be interesting
2: to see that unfold uh, and we're just right in the middle of doing that um, yeah, live. We'd love to hear that, how that goes, Marilyn. And the quiz night, I think, just sounds inspiring. Just such it was, yeah,
7: it was just, you know, such an unexpected,
2: um, such an unexpected um, opportunity that um, has, been, has been really great. So. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, we're going to go to Scott Montgomery, who's at Scotch College in Melbourne. And Scott's been doing a lot of work with Oscar Live. Um, Scott, could you tell us a little bit about that and particularly work with some of your older alumni?
8: Sure. Thanks, Anne. And thanks for having me. I noticed I'm the only one wearing a scarf. The football <laughs> starts tonight, just to let everyone know. So, um, yeah, I work for the Old Boys Association here at the school. Um, and uh, we thought that we needed to to engage. Like all of you, we tried to connect with, uh, with our, our alumni through this period where we couldn't hold events. So how, how could we continue to um, connect with them. And we came up with this concept called Oscar Live. And it's not a new concept. I know many of the schools are connecting with their alumni in the community. So we called it Oscar Live. And we put a lot of thought into the the people that we could get on. And I I put myself out there and I was the interviewer and I had some alumni, important people come in and I had a chat to them. And we had a weekly schedule at around 6.30 going out each Thursday. And we would be doing that for the last four weeks. And we connected... um, to the Scotch community and like everyone, we just didn't uh, isolate that to the alumni. We went to the, the school parents, we went to the year 12s, um, we went to the alumni obviously, and then we connected with um, our older alumni as well, particularly the over 75s who we know uh, were pretty isolated during this um, pandemic period. So it was an open invitation um, and we specifically targeted some, some key topics. Like my first one, and it was a bit new for me because I didn't feel like it, you know, I'm not Ray Martin or anyone, but I put myself out there to, to have a chat. And uh, it's quite, quite confronting when you've got a video and you've got the IT all around you and you're having a connection. And we had 200 people each, each Thursday kind of listening in. So that's kind of daunting in itself. But the first guy I had was a guy called Russell Howcroft. You may know him from the Gruen Transfer. He's big in BWC and he talk about businesses in the COVID environment. The next uh, guy I had was a doctor who was working at Royal Melbourne and he was at the heart of the pandemic and setting up all the, the responses from the hospital's perspective. Uh, one week I spoke to the chairman of the school. Um, he's a great historian and he spoke about Scott's journey in education uh, through this period as well. And last week I had, um, I just wanted to be to some of the younger ones. I was keen to engage our younger alumni and specifically targeted a couple of Scotchies that... Uh, working at KISS FM and doing it on their national broadcasting. Some of you may know them as Will and Woody, although they're not my age group, but they're certainly for the younger ones and doing, they're on national national radio. So that was just good to have them and they were a bit of fun. So just to wrap it up, we had a, you know, over 200 people engaging. We've certainly got to continuing on with this format. The technology has really opened our eyes to see the half packable world we are and everyone has the capacity, even with these Zooms, and, and to, to reach out. And we had people from New Zealand all over the world so not just the locals dialing in so that was really nice that we were able to do that it's also um an historical chat that we've had particularly when we had the chairman and his views on the schools and stuff like that so it's something that can be archived and once we've had 200 i feel that there's going to be opportunities to use that material and punch it out if people were going many people are walking and listening to podcasts now and that's another avenue for this—not just to be a one-off hit that you can use it down the track as well. And and people are coming in saying, oh, "I missed I missed the Oscar live, but, but can I have a look at um, and, and have a look at it as well?" So we're looking at, at putting that up on our website and making it as a feature just a part of our library. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's been very very successful, and I've really been pleased with it. I'm glad I put myself out there. It wasn't easy, and it's and it's. And you've got to have a crack, but uh, I was pleased that I did and the school was very happy that I've done so.
2: That's great, Scott. Thank you. And I think the point that you make about it's opened the eyes to technology and it's giving us new ways forward is a really important one in terms of our outreach that we might think about in a future session. Um, And the idea of archives and podcasts and history, I think they're awesome ideas there. We're going to move now to looking specifically at some actual fundraising programs that are happening and the success some people are having with their outreach in that particular way. Um, Gary Gary Pearson's at Geelong Grammar School and he works in the Bequest area. And so he's gonna talk a little bit about what he did specifically during COVID and then as we emerge out of it, what he's doing. Gary, over to you.
9: Thanks Anne very much and uh, hello to everyone. Um, The Bequest program at Geelong Grammar School uh, sort of hit an enormous uh, roadblock when the pandemic was announced. And that was the day after our, one of our events. And that was actually 13 weeks ago. So since then, uh, we've been marshalling a variety of strategies. And the day after that was announced, Chairman of the Biddlecombe Society, uh, which is our bequest programme, and uh, the committee, we talked about how best we could engage with uh, our community, our members, and there are a huge amount of them. I think the most important thing to um, say here is that they are all in a bespoke relationship with the school. We've worked really hard to ensure that each and every one has that relationship with us through stewarding, but getting to them straight away was important. So it was decided that the chairman uh, would send a video out to every single member uh, asking how they are. Catching up with them that way on a personal basis, and then I would follow up. So that was uh, hundreds of calls that I made over the course of days, and I listened to Martin talking about those calls, and indeed they were absolutely uh, priceless. It was interesting that I had different types of feedback. More of the country people uh, were fine, and so it was as much as it could be business as usual. As one grazier said to me, uh, Gazza, I don't go out and talk to my cows about it. Uh, but things are going well here Um, but the urban response was a little bit more tricky it was a little more um, sensitive and much more appreciative of the calls because they thought that they were on their own and I think that is something which we all have found out through our phone calls. I think at the end of the day though this stewarding is one of the most critical things that we have come across We all had to change events, Uh, my events largely cancelled, my trips interstate were cancelled, but we have to keep up with people, we have to keep up with the relationships, and that has been the critical thing. So in lieu of traveling to Adelaide and to Perth and to all these other places and holding events, we have put together through a colleague uh, in our department, personal impact reports. That is a bespoke report for each person, which gives them an update, a story, an updated images of what is happening to the specific things they have kindly donated to, even though they are Bequest members, they are still donating. And those were followed up with a note and a phone call from me as well. So we have been trying to remain in contact in a very personal way. And that's been key to how we've produced kind of stewardship that we are undertaking at the moment i think at the end of the day the transition forward is very interesting Uh, Mm -hmm. i was approved to go out and conduct visits four weeks ago so i have commenced visits to uh, people in victoria and they've really appreciated that um sometimes if it's coincided with their birthdays i've actually been able to hand deliver birthday cards as well so again if we look at the membership that we have here which is over 200 uh if we can't get interstate we can't get overseas but the combination of the visits in victoria the phone calls and the impact reports uh, the stories and the texts that we've given through those reports have helped them stay in touch have helped them feel connected because often uh, yes they get phone calls from their family and friends but to actually have us uh, calling them has been somebody else had said earlier a real uplift for them and it helps to as Anne alluded often to wake up the conversation even though we're not even asking for the conversation it's purely stewarding about how they're going on their personal kindness as well so hopefully trips in the latter part of 2020 will be considered by the school and we'll be able to get back into it but at the moment it's intense stewardship phone calls and reports takes and images and I'm being very pleased with the feedback we've had.
2: Thanks Gary and good to see some face-to-face visits starting again. Um,
9: yeah.
2: Rebecca Curran is at, uh, at Joey's in Sydney and Rebecca, um, have they have a strong annual giving program this year. Rebecca, you've, you've changed that slightly. What have you done and how's that gone?
10: Um, So, yeah, and as you know, we started our strategy sort of process around January, and it was largely off the back of the success of last year. We did a big giving day campaign that was quite successful. So we actually sort of wanted to pare it back anyway, um, and the focus was our boys from the Bush bursaries. And then sort of as this, the COVID-19 pandemic rolled out, we sort of had to change it. So there's been many iterations to the strategy, Um, So what we actually sort of ended up with was a campaign around continuing his, Joey's journey and that spoke to the the focus on the student um, and their families and so that um, we actually sort of, there was a couple of things that we focused on, which was the the fee relief, which was the non-tax deductible um, donation to uh, help the immediate impact of, of what some of these families were going through. But also giving our donors the option to sort of continue uh, assisting with Indigenous, with um, our boys from the bush and our building funds as well. So what we sort of, I mean, there was a lot of, um, you know, talk around sensitivity. So what we came up with was, I think, a really, really good message from the headmaster, a really paired back uh, email campaign and, and uh, mail out to those donors that don't have an email address. So we actually, I think it was 200 letters we sent out. Normally we send out, you know, probably over, you know, three, three, and, a three, three and a half thousand. Um, so we actually saved some money there, which was great. Uh, we did a really sort of no frills um, video campaign as well, which was uh, basically me Uh, reaching out to some students and some old boys to um, produce something on camera with their own mobile phone. And then I put everything together on um, an online uh, platform called Animoto, which helps you build these really great marketing videos. Um, So we went out with that. And I think the overwhelming um, response was that, you know, we were continuing that feeling of community. We were connecting with everyone. Everyone was very much sort of... um, on board with helping out families that needed it uh, because there is that exists here already. So I think we actually really spoke to that quite well. Um, the, you know, we have also found that with the stewarding of our older donors, we've actually had some return donors um, back to the college, um, sort of re-engagement with those people, uh, especially, um, you know, I think Lana here has called several sort of around the you know the 1960s um, classes, so they have actually really jumped on board that, so that's been great. Um, I think that the whole point of the uh, the exercise was that we really had to, I, I guess, with the segmentation, sort of be very careful around that as well. And we're, I mean, we're in the midst of this annual campaign right now, so we are still adjusting the strategy and we're still looking at ways and and, and sort of channels to to reach. Uh, various donors so we're sort of you know we're still you can see behind me we're still sort of planning the approach and um, I guess doing that in a way that is not going to be sort of offensive um, but rather you know sort of keeping people connected and, and on board with what we're doing so um, I think that's kind of all I had to say but we I mean we do it's okay it's not as great as what we would normally average you know in any given year but still it's better than nothing. <laughs> Uh, Rebecca And Rebecca, I mean, one of the interesting things you did, two
2: things you've said there about pivoting all the time and being adaptable. I think we're all learning to be very flexible and to change strategy. And secondly, I thought it was very interesting that you actually sent a draft to all of your foundation board members and got their buy-in first so that you were testing out that sensitivity.
10: I I tested it with our our board directors. I tested it with various staff and I also sort of went out to a core group. Of parents um, who I know are supporters or support through volunteerism. So I actually went out to them and I actually went to a family who had been quite heavily impacted by COVID-19 uh, in that they're hoteliers um, and they had, you know, laid off quite a number of staff. So I actually went to them directly and said, would you be offended if you got this? Um, and they were, they actually were like pretty much on board with it from the get-go. So that was sort of all I needed to then go out, you know, to everyone else. Um, The head, because it came from the headmaster, he um, has had overwhelming positive responses. Uh, What we saw was even though, you know, I kind of think for our donors, non-tax deductibility isn't, or tax deductibility isn't a driver sometimes. um, What we have seen is an uplift in our bursary fund as opposed to our fee relief fund. So whilst that has, you know, garnered some donations there, the bursary has actually, um, has actually done very well out of this. So mm-hmm. it's all that kind of user behaviour and, and tracking and watching what people do and who, what you focus on and what the focus is. So uh,
2: Thanks, Rebecca. And I know that Rebecca's happy to share that. And John's survey about whether tax deductibility will be important, it's going to be interesting feedback too, John. We're looking forward to hearing about that. Our last practitioner that we're going to go to um, is Stuart Galbraith at Carey in Melbourne. And Carry is, an ev- is evolving its uh, f- culture of philanthropy. Giving is not well entrenched there. And so it's interesting to see in a school that's relatively new to giving, how that soft ask and community fundraising went. Stuart, over to you. We
8: lost Stuart.
2: Okay, not sure what's happened to Stuart there. Sheila, are you able to see him? Can we go there? Yes.
1: All right, good. Thanks, Stuart.
11: Okay, here we go. Um, Thank you, everyone. Um, So, early in the year, um, Kerry had the uh, dubious um, and uh, unwanted honour of being their first school in Victoria um, to be directly affected by COVID. And after 11 weeks of teaching and learning, our students have only just returned home and Uh, For me, and no doubt for many other of you, the virus um, totally upended our plans uh, for the year. Um, Gone was our annual giving program, our event schedule, um, and our other proactive fundraising. Um, In its place, we established the Kerry Student Fee Support Fund, uh, which was to help families experiencing financial hardship. Um, Its focus is on um, retaining and supporting families at Kerry throughout the year. The fund was, um, has been intentionally designed to complement other measures um, provided by the school, including discounted fees and a soon to be launched Carey Family Business Directory. Um, despite some limited promotion to our community, um, the fund's been quite well received. Uh, uh, I think it'd be fair to say that when we launched the fund, we had some modest expectations, um, uncertain about the depth of the crisis, its impact on our families, Uh, The duration of the lockdown. Um, Where we are today, Um, I think uh, we'd be quite pleased to say that we're about 75% towards our informal target. Um, That's replacing last year's revenue from annual giving and other non-bequest capital campaign revenue. Um, We've noticed some interesting trends so far. Um, Just like Rebecca, uh, donors don't appear to be concerned that gifts to the fund are not tax deductible. Um, We've quietly retained our Scholarship and Library Fund is giving options for previous donors and those who ask. Um, medical practitioners have responded reasonably well, um, as have parents from year 12. Um, somewhat surprisingly, community members from a Chinese speaking background who had been increasing their level of giving in recent years have not yet so far. Um, we've attracted a good uh, number of new donors, uh, 32% so far. And we've had some really wonderful examples of generosity and compassion. Um, Many families have donated the discounted fee amount with only subtle reference to this as a given option. And going ahead, um, we will continue to target our promotion to previous donors, to the board, and to our senior leadership team. I've only just finished um, some FAQs, which I intend to put in our e-newsletter as a way of keeping up awareness of the fund uh, to our parent community. Um, And we've translated um, some uh, of this uh, into simplified Chinese uh, for our largest uh, non-English speaking audience. Um, So I guess my message to you would be that the fund at Kerry has so far been a success. And if you're thinking about doing so, or you haven't already done so, good luck.
2: Thanks Stuart, that's great and good to see an emerging culture of philanthropy um, empowered by this terrific stuff. Sheila, I think
1: we've got some time for questions, have we? We do, yes. So, if anyone's got any questions or wants to jump in, please do, now's your opportunity. We've got about five minutes till the end. So feel free to unmute yourselves.
2: They're all stunned into silence (laughs) around the country. I mean, a couple of things I think. um, I think it would be really great for us to actually, as Educate Plus, actually track how we've been coping and measure that next year. I think there's a lot of interest in that to see longer term what we did and what is particular to Australia because Australia and New Zealand are different from the US and the UK in this and most of our data comes from overseas. It would be great to have us some Australian data and practice. So I know we're talking about that. Secondly, something else that I think we should be thinking about. And many of you have alluded to is whilst we're going back to normal, you can't just go back to the plans you had six months ago. I think you need to go back and you're already doing it, go back to your plans and think about adjusting your strategy for the next six months. I think, It's going to take us till the end of this year, psychologically, emotionally, all sorts of ways to recover. Take John's lead and use survey tools and ask your community informally or formally, meet with people, talk with them, ask how they're coping and what they'd like to see. But think about a couple of areas in particular. Think about your case for support. It's probably strengthened by COVID-19. I mean, support for students around scholarships and bursaries is obviously strengthened by COVID-19. We've seen the importance of having funds to help families. So raising money for that area, you can tweak your case for support around that and strengthen it a little bit and talk about this as an example of how important it is to have these sorts of funds. Secondly, think about how technology has been such an important part of this, how we've coped in this period of time. And think about how that might impact on how you're asking for buildings and capital programs. Are we tweaking our buildings and our curriculum? I think most schools are thinking about how they deliver their curricula. They're thinking about their facilities and resources. And so there might be an opportunity to tweak what you're saying and to strengthen the argument For uh, education for this 21st century, because we've certainly found that we've needed it. So, your case for support almost certainly needs a little bit of work on it. Secondly, be inspired by some of the things that you've heard today around outreach, communications and engagement and stewardship. And think about what you're going to do for the rest of the year. You can rule out large functions. So what's your plan for the rest of the year to engage with your community and particularly to steward your donors and to keep in touch with them? We know how hard it is to get our donors. What are you doing to keep them? And then what are you doing more broadly along the lines of what Scott and Martin and Marilyn were talking about to engage more broadly with your community? How are you using publications, EDMs, videos, technology, all sorts of tools to do that? Be inspired by that. We'd love to hear about it. And particularly with your older community, how are you engaging with them? I think what we've learned is we have to be really adaptable and flexible, that Educate Plus and regular check-ins about what people are doing is really helpful to all of us so we're inspired and we learn from all of that, that we have to keep on asking in an appropriate manner and that we have to treasure our communities. Um, People are thinking they've been at home, they're more connected with their local community, thinking local could be a way going forward and many schools could capitalise on this in a very, very important way. So I think, as many of us have said, we've learned a lot in this period and it's not been all bad. So we've been inspired and positive about it. We'd love to hear from other people. And um, Sheila, any other questions or comments before we wrap up today?
1: yes i'd just like to remind everybody that this has actually been recorded and will be available on the um website later on today because there was so much information valuable information in there and um, also if you want to continue this conversation please feel free to avail of our roundtables in the mentoring platform and um, our also, we have our own private Facebook group, which you're more than welcome to use as the platform to continue this discussion. Um, and don't forget that we've got two more fundraising um, webinars coming up in the next couple of days. Uh, so check out the events page and register for those. Um, and If you've got any more comments or questions or anything you want to share, feel free to email me, educateplus.edu.au. Um, Other than that, I just have to say a massive thank you to Anne. Thank you so much, Anne. Invaluable information, as always. And, of course, to Jackie and poor Hannah, who's ill today, who organised all of this. And everyone who contributed and was willing to share their um, ideas and the uh, wonderful things that they've done in their own institutions. So thank you all very, very much for your input. Um, It's something I love about Educate Plus. Everybody is quite willing to share Their ideas and help each other out. So very supportive. It's great to see. Um, Anne, Jackie, any final words or are we done? Thank you to all of our, uh, all the people who so
2: generously shared the information and to their willingness to have individual conversations and samples to follow up. That's, That's in the spirit of Educate Plus. Be inspired, be connected, and
1: stay well. Thank you, Anne. Bye, everybody. Take care. Have a great day.